When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 16. Episode 35. This is Writing Excuses. Deep dive into the mice quotient. Episode 1. What is the mice quotient? 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Dan. I'm CL. I'm Charlotte. And I'm Mary Robinette. And we are very excited to have you here. This is the start of another um, eight-episode masterclass, and we're going to have Mary Robinette teaching us all about the mice quotient. And this is something she's an absolute expert on. We're very excited uh, before we get into this, let's get uh, some quick introductions. Um, we've got two incredible guest hosts with us this time around, uh, C.L. Polk and Charlotte Forfier. Uh, C.L., C., can you uh, introduce yourself? Uh, hi, I'm C.L. Polk. Um, I write fantasy novels. Uh, I wrote a trilogy called The Kingston Cycle. Um and I have a standalone book called The Midnight Bargain. And um, I had a short story read on LeVar Burton Reads. Ooh, that's so awesome. Well, we're <laughs> excited to have you. Thank you very much for being on the show. Charlotte, how about you? Uh, tell us about yourself. Hi. Hi, everyone. Um, my name's Charlotte Fourfier. Um, I'm coming to you out of the UK. I'm an emerging writer. I've written a few short stories and had them published, and I'm currently grappling with a novel. And I invited both CL and Charlotte to join us for this um, for related reasons. Uh, we've all, all three of us have had long conversations about the mice quotient, uh, but C approaches writing in in different ways than I do. And it's been interesting. I, I uh, subscribe to their Patreon, and it's been interesting to watch the way they uh, the, the way they talk about writing. it's It's really cool, highly recommended. Um, Charlotte is uh, early career, but actually has um, has formal education in uh, writing, which I do not. And uh, and is one of my mentees and is actively working on her first novel using the mice quotient. And some of the conversations that we were having around that also made me think, you know, this would be useful, I think, 
to a lot of uh, a lot of the you listeners because one of the things that happens with Dan and I is that we've been doing this for long enough that we forget sometimes about the things that are hard at the beginning. Um, and we also shorthand so much that frequently it's like, well, obviously, obviously you're doing that. And, and everyone's like, excuse me, um, that, what, 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 what is that? (laughs) So, um, so with all of that, here's how this is going to go. We're going to do an overview of the mice quotient today. And you're going to hear a lot of me talking today. Then, uh, then in the subsequent weeks, we're going to take each individual element of the mice quotient and look at it, do a deep dive into it. And then, uh, then we'll look at kind of how you can use these tools. So I should probably explain what the mice quotient is. The mice quotient is an organizational theory. Um, and it's an acronym. It stands for milieu, inquiry, character, and event. Longtime listeners will have heard me talk about it as the MACE quotient because there was a time when I was experimenting with using um, ask, answer for the inquiry. Um, but I realized that in podcast, it frequently sounded like I was saying ask cancer, which was not helpful <laughs> as a descriptive phrase. So, uh, inquiry. Um, inquiry. It turns out that you can pretty much explain every story, fiction and nonfiction, through this fairly simple organizational theory. And I'm going to talk about this through the lens of fiction, but it is everywhere. So stories are made of these four elements, and they're mixed in different proportions. Milieu, inquiries, characters, and events. And these elements can help determine where a story starts and stops and the kinds of conflicts your characters face. So, for instance, milieu stories are driven by place. These stories begin when a character enters a place and they end when they exit. So things like... Gulliver's Travels, Around the World in 80 Days, are classic examples. The neat thing is that if you know where the milieu story ends, this also tells you what sort of conflicts go in the middle, because your job as an author is to figure out what your story needs to do and then systematically deny them the solution. So milieu conflicts end when your character exits the place. That means that the conflicts are all about keeping the character from leaving. So these are things like struggling to exit, trying to survive in, attempting to navigate. That's milieu. Inquiry stories are driven by questions. They begin when a character has a question and they end when they answer it. It's a super complicated structure. Uh, So mystery stories, classic inquiry stories like Sherlock Holmes, Poirot. For an inquiry conflict, your goal is to keep your character from answering the question. They're lied to, they can't understand the answer, the answers lead to dead ends, so many red herrings. Those are inquiry conflicts. Character stories are pretty much driven by angst. Um, In the simplest form, they begin when a character is unhappy, they end when they are happy. But the real start of a character story is when a character says, who am I? And it ends when they're like, oh, this is who I am. And they begin with this shift in identity, the self-identity, and they end when that character solidifies their self-definition. So coming-of-age stories, romances. 
The big thing there with conflicts, your character's trying to change, stop them. Don't let them break out of their role. Fill them with self-loathing. Have the change backfire. I'm not really a writer. I mean, that's a character story, right? Event Mm -hmm. stories are driven by action. These begin when the status quo is disrupted. So when normal breaks. And they end when it's restored or there's a new status quo. And yes, everyone dies does count as a new status quo. So this is uh, disaster stories like uh, Inferno, Deep Impact. By this point, you probably understand the drill. You do not let your character restore the status quo. You get fight scenes, chase scenes, explosions. They try to set things right. It has unintended consequences. Just be mean. Like, that is, that is your literal job as an author. Now, it is easy to confuse character stories and event stories. Character stories are about internal conflict. I'll never be popular. Event stories are about external conflict. Oh no, an asteroid is coming at the Earth. So that's what the individual mice elements look like. We are going to do a deep dive into each one of those. But as we do that, I'm just going to go ahead and flag for you to think about that you almost never see single-thread stories. Most stories are made up of multiple threads because, honestly, the single-thread stories tend to be really dull. So how do you do it? Think about nesting code. For those of you who have ever done any HTML, if I just say nesting code, you understand what is happening. Uh, You'd have milieu, inquiry, inquiry, milieu. For those of you who've never done any HTML, Think of it like unpacking a box from Ikea. You open the box, or just a toy chest. You open the box, and you pull out all of your inquiry toys, and you're going to play with those. And inside that box, there's another smaller box that is made up of character. And you pull that box out, and you open up it, and you pull out all of your character toys. And you play with those toys. And then at the end, you pack them back into the box. And in order to get the boxes to nest neatly, You have to put the character's toys back into their box, put it back inside the inquiry box, and then put those toys away. Otherwise, you will never be able to return it to Ikea. So, to use a concrete example, Wizard of Oz is a beautifully nested story. It begins with a character story. Dorothy is dissatisfied with her role as a Kansas farm girl. Then we have we open an event. Tornado! Then we open the milieu, welcome to Oz, and then we get the inquiry. What do the ruby slippers do? We get to the end of the story, the movie, and then Glinda says, oh, the ruby slippers will carry you home. (laughs) Which honestly, she could have said at the beginning, but that closes the inquiry. Dorothy leaves Oz, which closes the milieu. She returns to Kansas, where everything is fine, which closes the event. And then Dorothy says, I didn't need to go looking any farther for adventure than my own backyard, which closes character. So when you have stories that feel like the endings fizzle out or the ones that feel like they end and then end again and end again, two towers, I'm looking at you, this is often because the nesting code is broken. So what we're going to be talking about is how to understand what each piece of the nesting code does so that you know which toys you're pulling out and which ones you're going to use and how to put them back.
Um, so there is my big overview. And now we're going to talk a little bit as a group after I've just blathered. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. For quite a while. <laughs> should we pause for a book of the week before we talk as a group? Yes, we should. And uh, you've kind of already covered the book of the week. But why don't you tell us about The Wizard of Oz? <laughs> why? Why, yes, thank you. I will. Um, I'm going to recommend The Wizard of Oz as my uh, book of the week. The, this is the, uh, the, the film version. Um, one of the things you know it's it's a film that that comes on frequently in the US uh but you know in my childhood with broadcast television um when you only had three channels when it came on you watched it because it was on i have watched it as an adult it is beautifully nested um it is uh it is fun and to my surprise it's actually quite funny when you watch it there's a lot of jokes in it I got to see it broad, uh, broadcast. I got to see it screened um, on the big screen uh, with a full auditorium in the before times, and uh, and and I was amazed that it is it is really very much a comedy. And when you think about it, this makes sense because uh, all of the the Scarecrow, the Cowardly Lion, and the Tin Men um, all came out of vaudeville and were were noted comedians and song and dance people of their day. So it's um, it's it's good. It's like worth watching again. And then we're going to give you homework about it. But that's the thing I'm going to recommend <laughs> watching this week. Uh, it is uh, maybe beside your point of, of mice quotient, but I will also say The Wizard of Oz has entered English vocabulary to a Shakespearean degree. It gets quoted by people who don't even realize they're quoting it because it has so many incredible lines of dialogue that have just kind of become part of the fabric of how our brains communicate. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Um, <laughs> so, so, so I have a question for you yeah. to, to kick off this, um, this, this conversation. Uh, what do we do if we're not really a, a planner or an outliner? How, how can we still use mice quotient stuff? I'm so glad you asked. Um, yeah, so this is uh, this is um, one of the places where I actually think the mice quotient really shines. If you are writing instinctively and you're going along and you hit a point, you're like, oh, no, I don't know what happens next. The thing that the mice quotient is really good at is is not talking to you about pacing um, it's not talking to you about uh, like 
how things like the 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 moment by moment structure. What it's really good at is helping you make decisions about what to leave in and what to take out. So if you're if you're paralyzed by choice, what you can do is look at what you've already got happening. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, uh, my character is trapped in this room and I need to get them out. Oh, I'm in a milieu. This is a milieu. Okay, what are the things that can go wrong related to trying to get out of a room? And then you can find your way out that way. Where you run into problems is, and you get story bloat, uh, which is uh, one of the, the things that can frequently happen to someone who is, uh, who's pantsing, is that, uh, that you're like, okay, my, my character is trapped in a room and I, I need to ramp up the tension. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to have, I'm going to have their sister call them and ask them why they aren't at, why, why they're not at the wedding yet, why they're late to the wedding. And you're like, okay, but now you've just introduced this whole wedding thing that you have to close down. And that's a character thread because now they feel like a bad sister and, and that's terrible. So it can help you, it can help you make that choice about what you, what things you want to, what toys you want to play with in that moment. Awesome. Very nice. Um, Choose your can of worms carefully. (laughs) I have a couple of questions, actually. Um, Where did Mice Quotient come from? Because the first time I heard of it was on Writing Excuses, and now I'm on Writing Excuses talking about it. Right. So I learned it from um, Orson Scott Card uh, when I took his literary boot camp. Uh, he and I do not see politically uh, eye to eye at all, but um, he was a gifted teacher and he had a book called um, How to Write Science Fiction and Fantasy, which included the mice quotient in it. I have done some tweaking and expanding. Um, mm-hmm. In the original inquiry was called Idea, which was confusing. Um, and what he meant was that a character was trying to chase down an idea. Uh, but it began when you asked a question and you ended when it answered it. So mm-hmm. I, I renamed it uh, to Ask Cancer and then Inquiry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I, I think the nesting code thing is me. I'm not sure about that, though. Okay, thank you. And my other mm-hmm. question is, there's a rumor going around. I mean, you've already said that most stories have more than one element, but there's a rumor that I've seen in more than one place that a short story has one uh, thread, a novella has more than one, maybe two, and a novel has two plus, maybe three or four. Is that, is that So, n- no. I mean, no. Y- yes and no. Um it is extremely rare to see something that only has one. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you'll see that in Flash. But most of the time, what you have is uh, you have what I call a um, kind of a, a major and a minor or a, a, a light frame um, with short stories. The, the thing is that all of those elements are present. What you're looking at is which ones are pulling you all the way through the story. So if you think about the thread as a piece of elastic and you stretch that piece of elastic out, 
that you're putting tension on that. And the the reader is holding on until that elastic releases. And when it releases, you get this cathartic burst. So the more pieces of elastic you you pull on, um, the kind of the more strength you need to stretch that. Um, and 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 the more, you know, cathartic bursts you're going to get. But in a short story, you you don't necessarily have enough room to tie on each of those uh, tie on each of those um, those pieces of elastic. So so what you'll have is um, like this moment right now is a is an inquiry thread within a larger thing. Um, arguably, writing excuses is frequently all about inquiry. But you'll if a if a character is asking a question within a scene and it's not an inquiry story, them asking it and then getting the answer, that is a very tiny mice thread that's happening within it. Whether or not you want to let it become a driver and be something that you maintain and sustain all the way through, that's the thing that adds the length. So anything that you're trying to sustain all the way through, those are the things that add length to to the story. Uh, which is why you almost never see more than um, one or two. I, I see usually that there's most short stories have two. Um, and uh, wait, wait, I think we've just been joined by a tiny cat. Yes. Yes, there is a tiny cat who's just joined us. Um, if you Hello, hear small whirp sounds, uh, that is uh, that is Helix. So um, anyway, so that's that's basically it. A, a novel can have 50 bajillion of them. Um, mm-hmm. But every time you add one, it, it kind of has the potential to make the thing half again as long because you're every every scene that you are sustaining it in, you're having to you spend words to, to sustain it. Great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. So... We should uh, wrap this episode up. It was long this time and mostly me talking. The next, the rest of them will uh, involve other people <laughs> way more. Um, but as it happens, I'm going to dug just a tiny bit more to give you your homework, which is to uh, actually watch Wizard of Oz. But what I want you to do is I want you to watch it um, with a piece of paper and I want you to track the mice elements. So you're going to be using um, M-I-C-E. And what you're going to be looking at when you're watching it is when the element opens, when it closes, but you're also going to look for the, the smaller elements within it. For instance, when Dorothy gets to the, the witch's castle, uh, she has to go into the castle and back out of it. So that is a milieu within the larger milieu of Oz. So uh, just track when she's keeping them alive, when when things are being kept alive. The hourglass moment, that keeps the event alive of the, the initial disruption of reminding us that, that things have been disturbed. So track them through and see what you learn from doing that. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. I, I know that we all have lots more things we want to say, but that's what... The other seven episodes are four. So join us again next week, and we are going to dig really deep into milieu. And until then, you are out of excuses. Now go right.
This episode of Writing Excuses was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. Your hosts were Dan Wells, C.L. Polk, Charlotte Forfier, and Mary Robinette Kowal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.